Welcome to Eurocron, a podcast about people whose names you may not be familiar with now, but you will remember their stories. Hi, I'm Scott Pitney, the host for Eurocron. So, without further ado, let's jump right into our next extraordinary story. My next guest on Eurocron is the owner and operator of the very popular pub for craft beer, as well as being a foodery called The Branch which is near downtown Houston and in the heart of Spring Branch. The branch is known for their outstanding service and fun. I've personally never been to the branch when Kyle wasn't there to help explain some of his latest unique food creations or tell one of his many stories about growing up and living in Spring Branch. Kyle Pearson, welcome to your cron. Hey, nice to be here. Good, good to have you. So, Where's a good place to start your extraordinary restaurant story? Uh, well, they, they always say the uh, best place to start is the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I mean, I, I, I've worked in restaurants uh, my whole life. If I hadn't opened one, uh, I'm, not, I'm literally not qualified to do anything else. I've never had an office job. I've never... I, I don't know <laughs> I don't know how to do Microsoft Word or I don't I'm not good with Excel or PowerPoints uh, I, I don't know corporate speak uh, so I, I was kind of stuck doing this I started off as a dishwasher uh, when I was like 15 and then I you know became a busboy then became a food runner then became an expediter then I worked as a cook and then I was a waiter and a bartender and bar manager and general manager and uh, then finally three years ago we uh, we opened up we opened up the branch, and I finally got my own my own spot, which is really awesome. Dream come true. So you started at age fifteen. <clears throat> was that your intention to get in the restaurant business, or were you just trying to get a job at the time and discover the restaurant business? Or well, uh, n- no, I mean you're fifteen. You don't you know you want to you know be an astronaut, or I don't remember what the hell I wanted to do. <laughs> but I, 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 don't, I don't think I I know for a fact I never dawned on me like yeah I wanna I wanna be a restaurant guy. Um, I my, actually my first it was 15 because there was only a handful of places back then where you could work before you were 16. And so I started I, before I was a dishwasher. I actually started off uh, making there was a snow cone hut in the parking lot in in front of the Safeway uh, over at Can, uh, Gessner and Hammerley. And uh, actually it was I, it might have been an apple tree then, but uh, yeah. Uh, yeah, there was a snow cone hut, so I started off making snow cones. I guess that was my first food industry job, was making snow cones yeah. in a trailer. Um, and then it just became a thing. It was like, oh, you could work here. And, and the money for back then wasn't bad, like, especially when you're, you know, when you're 15, 16, any money's good. Um, so you take any job you can get. And it, 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 the funny thing was, it's like I got to be 30, uh, and, and that's when you really start, you know, I think, you know, when you start to really start to assess your life, you're like, all right, I'm, I'm a real adult now. I need to have a game plan. What am I doing with my life? And I thought, I was like, man, what do, what do I want to do with my life? And that's kind of the first time it dawned on me. I was like, well, you know, you've always worked in the restaurant business and you really like it. Why don't you make that? Why, why doesn't that become your goal? Now? Why doesn't that become? And there's no uh, there's no real. 401ks or retirement plans in this industry so like once you get like I was the general manager of this restaurant in New York and that's kind of the peak and you know there's nowhere to go beyond that uh, unless you move into ownership 
And so at that point, I was like, okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to open my own place. And uh, that's part of the round of time. Well, years later, actually, we got, you get married, you start to have kids, you decide to move back to Texas to raise them here. And so we actually looked at maybe opening a place in Austin. And we had surprise twins that we weren't expecting. And so we we're like, oh, no, we got to go back to Houston because <laughs> we, we need grandma and grandpa's help. <laughs> Uh, and so then we were here. So then I got a job uh, at Hay Merchant. I was the bar manager there. And I used that to make connections and meet people. And, uh, but it's terrifying to open your own place. There's a lot of risk. Um, and, and everything, it's all on you. And it's absolutely horrifying. Uh, and so you want to play it safe as much as possible. So I was actually looking at doing something on the east side or in the Heights or in Montreal, like where the safe places were to open a bar. Now, what, why are, are those considered safe places? Well, cause there's, there's plenty of examples of places that have already done well first, you know, the places that are already there. Those are where the, the foodie people, they, they're already known for that. And, and since I wanted to do uh, kind of elevated bar pub food and uh, craft beer it was like, okay, well they, there's, there's a roadmap to success in those areas. Um, but it was actually, uh, my, because we live in Spring Branch. Uh, we moved back and, and, and um, in the same neighborhood I, I grew up in. And um, there's nothing like, there was nothing like the branch when we moved back here. And I was commuting, I was working in Montrose and I was looking at doing something in the Heights or East Side. And, and actually my wife was the one who was like, uh, well, why don't you do it in Spring Branch? You're always complaining that there's nothing like this over here. And she's like, you're qualified to do this. Why don't you do it? And I was like, hey, that's not a bad idea. And I only have like a, like a seven minute commute. And, uh, but it was, then it becomes scary because you're breaking new ground. Um, and so then there is, no, there is no roadmap to success. You have, I'm the one making the roadmap to success in this neighborhood. Um, and you were worried, am I too soon? Because the neighborhood is gentrifying, but I was like, was I too soon? Um, now there's a whole bunch of other places that are opening up now here on Long Point, and so it's, it's that's a little, um, I guess, vindicating. Um, but first, and you know, also then we opened like it was like eight weeks before Harvey. Oh wow! Which, <laughs> which is just like the worst <laughs> luck, um, and we almost we almost um, didn't make it. Um, you always have to you don't I've learned to don't curse the darkness um, because I have said so many times in the last five weeks thank God for Harvey um, we got such a crash course um, trial by fire in learning how to deal with a, a business that just tanked um, the customers just disappeared and dried up and, and we had no base we hadn't been open long enough to even really get our name out um, but we, you know, had to work with a skeleton crew with, with minimal sales, and we managed to stay open through all that. So we got like, you know, a year and a half of practice of dealing with it. So when, you know, the the lockdown started, we were already, I was already loaded for bear. I was like, the very next day, I was like, cut the crew, cut the hours. You know, I learned my lessons the first time. I waited too long to make the cut. So this time we did it right out of the gate, and we had already been. We got practice doing all the, we made like 3,000 sandwiches in like the first couple of days to give to the first responders after Harvey. So 
we had already had the model to immediately start um, uh, having people do sponsorships to make meals for the hospitals was something we did. We got we, we were doing that within a day or two, um, and that's actually been a big part of, of why we're still open. So yeah. We've done uh, almost a thousand a uh, thousand meals for the frontline workers in the last uh, whatever how, how many like the last forever weeks however many weeks this has been going on we've we've done uh, almost a thousand meals too many <laughs> oh goodness man I, I literally i just remember we were uh when this the first the first back in february um a lot of my friends that had uh, restaurants in chinatown were contacting me and saying like hey man the businesses are dying out here the restaurants are dying People started this rumor that the Chinese have the virus and no one's going to the restaurants and no one's so in support. So I organized, I shut down my restaurant to take my customers and my staff to go have dinner to show some support and solidarity in, in Chinatown. And by the next week, it was already a bad idea to organize a big group of strangers to go out. Uh, and then by the week after that, I was like, okay, we're gonna keep it local and just go out here in, in Spring Branch and it's just gonna be me. Um, and that that seems like a million years ago. Yeah. So what Kyle is referring to, we're recording this podcast in the midst of COVID-19. Um, another major challenge you're faced with, uh, you mentioned Harvey. Um, I want to get back to those two things in a minute because there's so much to talk about on on that subject of just surviving in these unprecedented times, especially in the restaurant business. But I want to go back to New York. So you went, uh, you grew up in Spring Branch, mm -hmm. and, and then you moved to New York. Why did you move to New York? A girl. <laughs> <laughs> it's always a girl. <laughs> I, you know, I, I wish there was a a more in, involved story. Uh, it, I was 21. I had just dropped out of University of Houston. Uh, I was more or less crashing on friends' couches and. Um, I was at a, I was at Slick Willie's pool hall. Actually, no, I was at uh, um, Charlie's. It was this twenty-four hour Greek diner, uh, which is where Georgia James and, and Hamer James. I ended up working back there one day, uh, and uh, so I was at this twenty-four hour Greek diner in in Montrose. And uh, these two girls were talking at a table next to me, and I strike up a conversation with them, and uh, they're both um, home on a Christmas break from Columbia University. And so we ended up, you know, just talking and that was cool. Um, the next night, I am at a Slick Willie's in a totally different part of town. And I bump into the same girls. And you know how Houston is. I mean, we're literally we're miles and miles apart and I bump into the same two random people. And so we ended up hanging out again. Uh, and then we ended up, you know, making plans to hang out. So we hung out for about a week. Uh, and then one of them was like, hey, we got to go back to New York. You want to come with us? You can stay in our dorm. So I was like, cool. I got a place to stay in New York. I've never been to New York. I just really, I, was just, I just want to get out of Houston. I, if, if they would have been from, you know, Boise, Idaho, I'd have this great Idaho story now, you know? <laughs> yeah. um, but I was like, cool, go to New York. So I sold my piece of crap truck and I, there was a one-way ticket for $121. And I had a grand total of like $126. So <laughs> I bought the one-way ticket and I bought the express because the regular, the regular bus ride was, was 49 hours. The express was 41 hours. 
and it, but it only lists it goes like new uh, New Orleans, Jacksonville, uh, Mobile, uh, Atlanta. So I was like, okay, we hit the major cities. Not really realizing that bus a bus ride, you stop at every little podunk town, every prison. Every military base between here and New York. And two days, man. It's like two days on a bus. Oh, uh, and I had man. five bucks. And I didn't want to spend any of it because I didn't know what... I knew New York was expensive. And I had five dollars. So that was not the best plan. Um, <laughs> this little lady actually bought me. She noticed I never got off the bus when they would stop for food and stuff. And so I'd always pretend to sleep. And so she brought me some biscuits and gravy like in Georgia or something. Cause she'd been on since New Orleans and noticed I'd never eaten. Uh, and I got her name, and I sent her card when I when I got to New York. Um, oh, that's cool. But I get to New York, and it's like three in the morning in Port Authority, and I thought it would kind of be like a, a an airport, you know. But it's not. It's just just a it's just a big empty place with the buses come in. There's no signs that tell you. There's no you know anything like that. So I call the girl, and I get her answering machine, and I just I'm like I'm here. <laughs> <laughs> and, Did she and know you were coming, Carl? She knew I was. Well, yeah, she knew I was coming. Yeah. But we didn't know what time I was arriving or anything like that. Well, yeah, sorry, I should have. Did she know what time you were coming? No, 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 oh. because we, 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 okay. it's, you had your start time, but buses, like I said, it's not like they're not airplanes. And right. So they don't give you like an arrival time. At yeah. least they didn't then. They might now. Um, we're talking about Manhattan. Correct? Yeah, yeah, we're in yeah. Port Authority in Manhattan. Yeah. And um, so I just. <laughs> I just leave her a message and I just kind of vaguely describe where I'm at and there's, there's a Hudson News over here and there's a Sbarro pizza and, and, and then I went and I sat on my duffel bag and wait and I was like crap I don't have five dollars I can't I said I didn't have five dollars but I had to get changed so I could make that phone call on the fake phone. Now how hungry, thirsty and tired are you at this point? Ah I'm starving but uh I was excited. And you're 21, man. You know, you got you that, you have that end of that 21 year old energy. Like you don't give a shit. And I'm in New right. York City. Dang it! I'm like, woohoo! Look at me, king of the world. Was that your first time out of Texas? Uh no. I mean, yeah. Uh, I, I, we, my parents, we, I have been my I have relatives over the country, so we've been to other places. But but I'd never been anywhere as cool as New York. I mean, I've been to like Wichita, <laughs> you know, like, uh, so. I, anyway, I just sit there on my on my duffel bag uh, for like two hours, going like I I screwed up. I didn't even tell my parents I came. Nobody knew I was in New York oh, City. Oh wow! You know, nobody knew I was moving here. And um, <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, like at five o'clock in the morning, because I didn't know bars stayed open until four in New York. You know, so she had been out. It was, I think it was a, it might have been a Saturday night or a Friday night or something like that. And so she hadn't got back to her dorm at four and heard the message and then got on the train to come get me um and so she comes and picks me up and i'm like oh thank god and then she's like we're going back up to columbia on the train and she's like oh by the way it's the women's dorm we're gonna have to sneak you in <laughs> and, <laughs> and i'm like uh okay <laughs> so she calls her roommate her roommate comes down distracts the guy at the door and they smuggled me up the stairs, and uh, I, I managed to to live there for about a month before they caught me and threw me out. And then, uh, then I became like a hobo, man. I lived in the Union Square Park for like, I don't know, like six, seven months before I could find an apartment. And you and this girl were still seeing each other? No, once I got chucked out, I was, I mean, I was kind of a hobo. I was like, there was no... 
because <laughs> you, you didn't have cell phones or, or you know what sure. I'm saying? It was like, you, yeah. you, I didn't have a pager. So it was yeah. like, I, you know, and pay phones in New York uh, couldn't receive incoming calls. So you kind of. Did, did your parents finally find out where you. After I got the apartment in July, when I finally got an apartment, then I let them know. When I was still sleeping in the. I didn't want to let them know I was like sleeping in the park, man. Like, that's, that's her, that my mom would be terrified. Yeah. So yeah. I, uh, I did finally let them, hey, you know, hey, by the way, I'm in New York now. <laughs> you, you weren't worried, though, that they might have been looking for you prior? And well, kind I'm, of I'm a, I have a big family, dude. Oh, okay. I got, there's, there's like, there's six of us. Mm. And so my parents having to keep track of all, <laughs> all, all of us, that's a lot, you know, because they still, at that point, they still had, I mean, there's still two kids living in the house or in high school. Um, they had that to deal with. and. You know, say like six months, like not talking to him wasn't on like totally unusual. You it was know? a different world back then. It was a different, you know, let's say, say it's like yeah. we didn't have internet or that. So, right. you know, when you felt like swinging by, you swing by yeah. the house or, you know, you give them a call. But um, it wasn't like, I mean, now everybody's in contact constantly. And it, it, yeah. just, it, it was normal, though. You know, you hadn't yeah. heard from somebody in a couple of months. You, you didn't get worried like, oh, they're dead. It was just like, oh, I need, I need to look them up. Or something. It was also very normal to get out of the house when you were 18, if not sooner sometimes. Yeah, I mean, I could like, at 18th birthday, I was like, I'm out, bye. <laughs> and then, you know, you're so excited to be on your own and da da da. So you don't want to, I don't want to see them. Yeah. I'm cool. I'm, plus, you're like, you're living like a, like a gypsy and you're embarrassed. You don't, want, you don't want your parents to know how you're living. True. So he's like, okay, once I get my life together, then, you know, and man, if I would have looked at that, man, I'm almost 47. They still wouldn't see how I'm doing. Yeah. Like if I, if I had to get it all together before I shared it with them, they'd still be waiting. Yeah. My, my first apartment, you remind me of this, my first apartment out of college and I had a full-time job. I worked an internship while I was in college. But all I could afford was a mattress, and I think I might have had a fork. But a mattress and a fork, you know, stayed on the floor. And I, I that lease must have been six months a year or something. I can't remember. But yeah, I can assure you, my parents never came to visit. Yeah. <laughs> For the reasons you just described. Yeah, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I'm gonna hey. wait till I have a couch at least. <laughs> oh, man, you know, it's back in the day. You had, you know, you open your refrigerator, and all you had was like five kinds of mustard. Like, <laughs> you know, like, um, and. Yeah, I guess you reminisce and like, oh, it's and it's fun to laugh about. But it's, that's a kids, man. When you get out of the house, save your money and live like a grown up. Don't don't just have mustard and a mattress. <laughs> <laughs> true, true. So let's go back to let's start with Harvey. Okay. Um, 2017. Uh-huh. That, that was August 2017. Your restaurant just opened up. Yeah, we just opened up right 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 at the beginning of end of May, beginning of June. Okay, so just a few months. Did you flood? No, no, we stood up really high, so we actually uh, did not flood. And um, we, we had to, we, we, I, we closed early the night before because they were, you know, they had the tornadoes were starting to stack down and uh, the guys in my kitchen lived out where the tornadoes were coming. So, and it started raining, so I was like, you know what, we closed like eight o'clock, sent everybody home. Uh, and then the next day I came to check to see if we had any flood damage or um, anything like that, and we didn't because I mean the building sits up really high, and and we lost the power at my house. So once I got here, I was like, well, dude, I got cable TV, I got air conditioning, I got cold beer. Why would I go home? <laughs> <laughs> There's no electricity. Um, and then like a like a fool, I I go on to Facebook because I was thinking like, oh maybe maybe there's like ten or twelve people that want to come 
hang out and have a beer today. And so I put on Facebook that we're open. Uh, and then all hell broke loose, like 250 people. I was the only place open for miles. Wow. And people, I see people like wading through the water to come in. I have pictures of it. It's great. We are packed to the gills. And I'm here by myself. And so I'm busting the tables, I'm making the drinks, I'm making the food, duh, 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 duh. and it's really funny. You can go back and look. I don't, like I said, I don't remember if it's on Yelp or Facebook or Google or where. We put them on the uh, Yercrom website when we. No, I'm talking about uh, we got. I got a review that day. Oh, I got a one star review. And one you, if you star. Look, yeah, you look. It's like August 29th. It's whatever the date of Harvey is. August. That's my birthday too. That's the other thing. It's my birthday. So it's like August 28th, 29th, whenever that is. Yeah. And. Uh, <laughs> one star and they didn't they didn't leave any reasoning for it they just gave me one star and I was like man how high are your standards <laughs> like, I'm, I'm, I'm the, the only one I'm open. the only restaurant open and I'm here by myself and there's like 200 people here and you left me one star that should be five stars Dur just for being during, open I mean hard, it's still raining like we're still in the <laughs> storm and I, I'm like you know that just it just reminds you you can you, can, you can't please everybody you, you know so true. So Just do true. your best. But yeah, I got I got a one star review that day. That's crazy. Yeah. So that first night you opened, uh -huh. or first day you opened, what was that feeling like? Uh, the first our grand opening, or the day after Harvey? No, the, the grand opening when you, oh, when man, you opened it, the branch. What was that like? The moment for you? Uh, you know what? I want to say like, oh, it was like a dream come true and exciting and da da da. Um, because that's how you want it to be. Honestly, I don't remember. Um, opening, there's a, there's a million things to do when you open a restaurant and your first day open, you know, you're learning like, oh crap, did we put the salt shakers in the right spot? You know, it was the silverware lined up, you know, it's like we, in our heads, we worked it all out, but until you actually get people in, you still have to tweak stuff. You're like, oh, those, you know, the layout's a little bit wrong here. And, uh, and there's a thousand things, you know, going wrong and, the, you know, um, that's why people have soft opening. We didn't have a soft opening. We just opened, right. um, but they do soft openings for that reason. So you can kind of ease into it and get some practice. We just said, Hey, we're open. And so we filled up and I don't actually remember that much about the first day. Yeah. I remember just running around like a madman. Um, when we closed that night, um, that I remember clear as crystal, you know, everybody left. And I just laid in the middle of the dining room, like laid on the ground and stared up at the ceiling and looked around this place. And I was like, I, I did it. Wow. I finally, you know, I, like, I dreamed about this place for so long. Uh, I mean, it was like 15 years that I'd worked towards opening my own, my own business. And, um, and when the day was done, that's, I remember that feeling and like how, how I'm like, I'm not embarrassed to say how proud I was of myself. You know, like I was proud of me that day. And that was a cool feeling. You should be proud of yourself. That's, it's very brave to do something like that. It's very exciting. It's very brave. Um, everybody knows it's no secret. The restaurant business is risky. It's tough, but mm -hmm. like any business, there are people, a lot of people that succeed in it too. Mm -hmm. So um, happy for you. Thank you. That's Thank awesome. You very much. That's awesome. How did you come up with the name The Branch? that took some again it's like oh man I, I, you have that st I have a story I could give you where I sound really smart and cool like I know shit um, <laughs> those are my favorite that, that's not that's not this story though <laughs> oh okay <laughs> um, we 
the original, my original plan, what I really wanted to call this place, I wanted to call it Inside the Loop. Um, because I, I, I wanted to confront the fact that I was opening a place like, if you come here, this place is ostensibly a lot like the places in the Heights and in Montrose in the east side. Um, there's nothing really like, there was nothing really like this at the time uh, outside 610, yeah. the 610 loop. And so I was like, well, I'm going to, I'm going to counteract that and I'm going to call the bar inside the loop. Because that way, <laughs> any visitors that come to Houston, if they ask people, like, where are the cool bars? Well, people like, all the cool bars are inside the loop. And so if they Googled, they Googled me, then I would be the first thing that came up. Bars inside the loop. So I'd be like, yeah, yeah. go inside the loop. And so then, yes, the name of my company is actually ITL Spring Branch, because inside the loop. <laughs> was the name of my company. Pretty ingenious, actually. Kyle. I thought so, but yeah. my investors did not agree with me. They thought that was they thought I was going to confuse people. Really? They were like, well, "You're going to seem like you don't know what you're talking about because this is not inside the loop." So people are going to think you you don't even know what you're talking about. And I'm like, "No, I know exactly what I'm talking about." Yeah. Um, but they they would not let me name it that. Ultimately, they shot it down, and so then uh, I wanted to call it uh, the Dirty Branch. Um, which is like a really slang nickname if you're uh, if you're a Northside kid um, in Spring Branch. You grew up where I did. You went to Northbrook and um, maybe like some of the not not as nice parts of Spring Branch. Um, we always called it that. And um, but you know I was talked out of that because it's it is a little derogatory and some people are not very fond of that nickname. Um, some people embrace it. Some people don't care for it. Um, and I understand that. Um, so then I was like, let's just call it the branch. You know, I was like, I'm open it in my neighborhood for my neighborhood. It's always been my intention that this is a local place for the locals to hang out there where you don't well, the, the biggest reason I opened it is like, I got tired of, if I wanted to go and just get some good food and a good beer, I had to get in my car, get on the freeway, drive like half an hour to somebody else's neighborhood for something as simple as this. You know, all we have over here was dive bars and, and I love them, but. I just wanted something a little bit better. And so that's why I opened it. And so that's became, became the branch. Um, mm -hmm. And I'm really glad. I mean, that's why I said, I wish I had a, I knew that at the head of time. I was like so smart, I'll call it the branch. And then, and since everybody calls the neighborhood that, I'm like, I'm gonna get all, every time they, I get tagged all the time on Instagram because people are trying to tag the neighborhood, but they tag my restaurant. Yeah. Which I'm like, bam, I wish I would have thought of that too. <laughs> you know. Um, but that's worked out well, but it, it was not my intention, but yeah, I mean, there's, there was a process to the, to the name. Yeah. Um, I still, I still would like to open up a place outside the loop called inside the loop. <laughs> I just, um, but I'm a, I'm a dumbass. <laughs> it's funny. You mentioned that, uh, Levon and I were driving around a couple of days ago. We were going down Britmore uh -huh. and I saw a sign stuck in front of, of a place that said inner loop realty. And I said, I wonder if they realize that they're not only not inside the loop, they're outside of both loops, <laughs> the Beltway and. Well, know, maybe, so. maybe, maybe they're talking about the Grand Park Expressway. <laughs> yeah, we actually have. That's right. We have we have three loops yeah, now. Right. I don't know. I don't know if the third one's complete yet. But I yeah, think they, I, I think they. I think they just completed it. Oh, did they? I, okay. I think so. Yeah. Um, Either way, maybe that's that's the loop they're talking about. That's Possibly. Possibly. <laughs> <laughs> it's a stretch, though. <laughs> So you are, the branch is located on Long Point, which is considered to be the backbone of Spring Branch. Yeah, it's kind of Main Street. By Manny, yeah, uh, which is going under a lot of development right now mm -hmm. that we've seen. What can 
patrons expect when they come to the branch? What's the experience like? Uh, how would you describe the experience coming here as a customer? In, in the before times or now? <laughs> now it's like yeah, a we lot can of, talk about both. That, actually, that's and, a good way to do it. A lot how of masks back and then? sanitizer. Back yeah, yeah. Um, before and and ultimately soon again. Um, it's comfortable. It's it, it, there's no pretension. Um, you can you can just hang out, spend some time with your friends. It's not it's not a place to be seen or, or see people or it's not like a pickup joint or a place to go get wrecked. It's just it's a place where you can get some good food and have a nice time and have some great music and you know know everybody. It's very much. I saw, I'm. It's really cool when I see. Uh, people making connections, like become regulars, but like they're from this part of Spring Branch, they're from this part of Spring Branch, and they get to know each other, and then they invite each other over their tables, and or even like neighbors will be like, oh, they're having dinner, and then just surprisingly, their next door neighbor comes in, and they hey, they walk in, so the table becomes a two top, goes into a four top, goes into an eight top to a twelve top, uh, and it ends up being like almost like a neighborhood watch meeting or something, you know. Um, and that's what I that's what I wanted. I wanted this place to be a, a public house in in the old in the very traditional original sense of the word, where uh, the community kind of gathers and catches up on what's going on in their neighborhood. Uh, I didn't. I'm not out to try and win any awards or accolades or be that place that uh, you know. Oh, everybody's a must go to place. Everybody from you know the Heights or, or Montos or River Oaks, like oh we got to go to the branch. Um, it's never been my intention to be that place. I mean, if y'all want to come here, come here. We're, we're badass, and I want your money. But, <laughs> let's be but, straight. Yeah, let's be, I'll take all your money. But uh, I really, the goal is always just to be this like a place where Spring Branch can be like, oh, no, that, this is ours. You know, this is our place. Yeah. And uh, and it's and it became that. You know, it, it, it through after Harvey and the struggles, and then the, it's that place. And then this all happened and so now it's it's a place where you can get sanitized and <laughs> see a see a really handsome bartender wearing a mask covering up his beautiful face <laughs> well, I, such I just, a waste but i kind of look like a superhero yeah. i like it maybe I'm, i might keep this going it, it it looks great on you i i finally got one uh, that i actually bought instead of using a uh you know, do rag is what I was using before, and yeah, it's 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 all right. You know, it's uh, actually say I'm kind of getting used to it in some yeah, ways. Yeah, I'm I'm not. They're terrible, and I every every hour, or so I have to go out back and like take it off so I can breathe. Um, well, you're you have it on a lot much longer. I, I'm just wearing it to go into stores uh -huh. and things like that. So yeah, yeah no, wearing it a is, long time now. I I would not be down with that at all. Yeah, this is like I I have so much. Uh, sympathy for the frontline healthcare workers because yeah. they're this mask, these little cloth masks are nothing like the the ones that they're actually wearing. I mean, they cause bruising, and they only get to take them off like thirty minutes in like a like a twelve or fourteen hour day. I mean, it's yeah. just punishing, uh. um, and it's so everything that's going on right now is just so contrary to human nature, you know. And then I mean, and look at the, I mean, we're talking about a a pub. Uh, a, a place whose entire business model 
is the exact the exact opposite of social distancing. The, <laughs> right. the base model is 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 social undistancing. Right. And you know, yet here we are. Um, and but you know what's cool? I uh, actually I just saw they released uh, the numbers um, since we you know we, Texas has begun reopening and we did not we did not see a huge spike. Um, and that's that's great that means it's working it doesn't mean go nuts and you know it's not time for like you know jello fights and and you know all that kind of nonsense but it it's working and um we can start to ease into phase two um which you know i guess starts next week i, I thought he was supposed to say something on friday but i think he's waiting till monday to actually announce what the new guidelines are and yeah um and so we'll figure figure out how we can expand uh, our seating and we'll be right back today's episode is sponsored by pitney properties pitney properties provides real estate services to buyers and sellers located in and around the houston area Having been raised in Texas, LeVon Pitney is incredibly well-versed in the area's housing market and always manages to find her clients those hidden gems that other agents tend to overlook. LeVon's relentless style and integrity allow her to hold client satisfaction at her highest priority. She works hard to make the entire home buying and selling experience as productive and enjoyable as possible. Whether her clients are first-time buyers or seasoned investors, LeVon works tirelessly to accommodate their needs and exceed their expectations. To learn more about LeVon's real estate services, please don't hesitate to call her today at 713-805-8871. That's 713-805-8871. Or contact LeVon at sold at pitneyproperties.com. Jumping back into COVID-19 and what you just said and kind of uh, looking toward the future, much like, I guess, 9-11, you know, we used to think nothing about walking somebody all the way to the gate at the airport to say goodbye. Of course, that changed forever on September 11th. Do you see any long-term changes to the restaurant business because of this, Kyle? Oh, undoubtedly. I think buffets are, are done. Yeah. Um, sharing a, a, a plate of hot food with total strangers is kind of on the outs. Yeah. Um, other than that, I don't, I don't know. Yeah. I think a lot of it depends on how right now it's a novel virus. So everybody's getting hit for the first time. So it's, it's making a much bigger impact than a virus that's that by next year, you know, cause it's, it's not going away. We're not curing it, but we're, we're learning to deal with it. That's the whole point. Right. Um, but as we get a better handle on it um, and better medication and stuff like that, um, it'll be you know kind of like the flu. Now, I think humans are humans, and the, the need for human contact is too great. Um, so I think we will get back to 
not exactly how, but I don't think it's going to be as extreme. I said, I, I do think buffets are done. I, I don't, I don't see how that business model would continue. Um, mainly just in the short term. Like yeah. it's it, like no one is going to buffets right now and their, their entire business model is based upon volume. Yeah. That's how they make their money. So you got to have a ton of people in there all dipping their fingers, you know, <laughs> golden corral, man. How do they open anyway, man? Like, <laughs> they, but at the same time, man, so I saw something posted. It's like, like this, I think I'm pretty sure it's a made up letter from like the CEO of the company saying like, you know, during this time, uh, we just want to thank all of y'all for coming, but you know, we know if you actually gave a shit about your health, you wouldn't be eating at Golden Corral. <laughs> I mean, hell, have you seen our chocolate fountain? <laughs> Little kids dump their dirty hands in that shit since 1983, and we haven't cleaned it once. Oh <laughs> if you valued your life, you wouldn't be a Golden Corral customer. So maybe they'll, maybe they'll get through okay, just based on their on their on their base. <laughs> you know, their clientele never gave a shit about you know their health anyway. No to your current marketing. Do not hashtag Golden Corral. <laughs> <laughs> oh come on. Man. I think chocolate fountains, those so, are gross. Those are gross before a pandemic. <laughs> so I can't see this doing them any favors. For sure. For sure. But at the same time, I'll miss making fun of the chocolate. Like my kids are never going to know when they're adults. I'm talking all about the goal of the chocolate fountain. My kids don't know. They're too young. So I was like, damn, my kids don't know about chocolate fountains. So uh, you mentioned phase two. We're in phase one right now. So for Houston restaurants, that, that means that... Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, Kyle, but that means you can be open, but you can only be at 25% capacity. And before we hit record on this podcast, you were talking about some of the challenges of opening at 25% capacity. And some of those challenges are not necessarily what's going on with your restaurant, but what's going on with the customers yeah. oh, and, yeah. and how they can help you with this, yeah. uh, you know, being a good customer. Can you talk about some of that some? Sure. Um, yeah, we, I actually, I actually consulted, you know, I'd said we were, we've been doing uh, meals for all the hospitals and stuff this whole time. And so I've been in direct contact with a, a lot of medical professionals, uh, over the last few weeks. And, um, so I went to them for advice. Um, on on what our policy should be regarding sanitation, uh, and 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 just keeping everybody as healthy as we can while moving into stage one or phase one of, of reopening, and so I took my advice from them rather than anything I saw on the television, you know. Um, and they advised me they're like masks for the staff is important, uh, optics number one, but also you don't want to spread anything. Um, but the customers are like, you know, the places requiring, I'm like, if, if, if they're wearing their mask when they walk in the door, mm. but then they take it off after they, you know, move 12 feet to the side and sit down. I was like, does that do anything? And he's like, not really. I mean, if the whole point of wearing the mask is you keep your limit, you know, da -da -da, he's like, right. so once they once they take it off, it's off. So requiring it in the first place, he's like, it doesn't really matter one way or the other. The most important thing is to limit the things that the customers can come into contact with. So we really encourage people to come in and sit down at a table and we'll take it from there. Um, don't come to the bar and rub your hands up and down the bar while you're trying to figure out what you want to drink because I have to go and sanitize that entire bar now. Uh, don't get up and help yourself to some silverware and condiments and napkins because now I have to throw all that stuff away and rewash all the silverware. Um, and it's, you know, people are, they haven't been out in five weeks. They don't really remember. I, <laughs> the first night we were open, I brought out all the food 
And then I sat there and stared at the table and they stared back at me. And I couldn't figure out why they weren't eating. And then they were like, can, can we have some silverware? <laughs> and I was like, oh man, I'm so out of practice. I forgot about the silverware part. <laughs> just, and like the whole time I couldn't figure out why aren't they eating? I brought them the food. Um, it's, yeah, it's like, it's weird. But it's the same time, I'm like, you, have, does, are you, um, you watch any movie on, on, on TV or whatever, and like the people are like hugging and touching, like they're like being really close and touchy feely, and you kind of get like it tickles some weird part of your brain seeing them do that. It does. I mean, already it's been like five weeks, and I'm right. seeing them. I'm like, oh, I can't believe. Oh, they're both drinking out of the same glass. That's that's you know, a, you see stuff like that on TV. Point. It's like I, yeah. weird how quickly you're, 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 you you adapt to this stuff. Right. Um, which at the same time is why I think ultimately once once uh you know the the medical community gets a better handle on the virus and and we know exactly what we're dealing with i i, I think people are going to go back to pretty much normal i mean humans are humans you know we're not we like to think we're all awesome but we're just really kind of like souped up monkeys like <laughs> you know we're like we're just a little bit better than the monkeys not a lot better i mean we right. went to the moon and crap but the monkeys are pretty cool yeah um and we can't really deny just our our, our inherent uh humanity and that social thing uh that need for human contact and for human interactivity is too great um that's people that's 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 a lot of what you know the people protesting like i want my hair cut and da 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 <laughs> It's, it's very easy to be dismissive because I think it's stupid, right? I want my hair cut as, like, as a protest sign. You know, protest civil rights. <laughs> protest, you know, something important. Something. But I need a haircut. Maybe don't put that on the sign because that really belittles what you're saying. Now, if what you're saying is I need, I need my humanity back. I need to feel like a human being, um, which is really what they're protesting. They just don't have the they don't have the forethought to phrase it that way um it's hard man dude i'm trying to do everything i can i'm terrified of going home you know because like, especially because i'm going to the hospital where the virus is I'm, yeah. I'm talking to people that are actually you know one guy is sequencing the genome of the virus so he's working with the virus yeah. and i'm coming into contact with that and the idea that i might go home and take it to my children or, or my parents um scares the hell out of me yeah um and I'm doing everything I can, but I know that's not good enough, you know, because it only takes that one little thing. Um, but at the same time, I, I miss giving people high fives, dude. Yeah. You know, just that simple little, that little, that would mean so much to me. Yeah. Like a total stranger. Hey buddy, good to see you. High five. You know, um, I cannot wait for that to be okay. Yeah. Um, uh, and hugs. It's, it's really the simplest stuff. It's like, you know, I want hugs. That would actually be a better protest sign than I need a haircut. I need to hug somebody. Yeah. You know, who's, I don't care what side of the aisle you're on. Like, who's going to be like, I need, I need a hug. Yeah. Uh, and that's really what that whole, you know, they don't, they're not doing a very good job of verbalizing it. But we all want to get back to normal, yeah. you know. And it's not even just the new normal. We want the old normal back. Yeah, that's, that's missed. Yeah. Dude, even like now, like cheers. 
Yeah. Oh, and that's what I'm saying, man. My entire life has been spent inside of like bars and restaurants. Yeah. Places where people go to be social around strangers. Yeah. Everything about what I do is the absolute opposite of what we're supposed to be doing right now, which is why I also think it's hilarious that I'm essential. Like I've never, all the people are bitching about laying on the couch and I'm like, I don't know, I watched everything on Netflix. And I'm like, <laughs> man, I've worked my ass off seven days a week since this thing started. And yeah. uh, I could use, the, I could, I'd like being non-essential for a day. Yeah. Um, but at the same time, when we do, do drop off meals at the hospital and you see, you see the faces light up, even behind the mask, you see their eyes light up uh, because this little, this little gift of normalcy yeah. from the outside world is worth so much to them and then you're like oh man maybe i am essential maybe maybe making food and serving drinks it, 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 our gift is that social element we bring to people um and it's never been made more clear to me than what's going on now where it's like everything about my business flies in the face of what we're supposed to be doing right now social distancing but at the same time it proves how valuable this industry is and how you know hopefully everybody goes out and supports your favorite places and hopefully your favorite places are not billion dollar corporate chains because they're going to be fine guys yeah like the golden corral olive garden will still have his breadsticks <laughs> you know six months from now olive garden will still have your bottomless breadsticks so right now why don't you go down to mama and slappy joe's like house of chili and 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 chow fun and have dinner there um for a couple months yeah. and uh let olive garden handle their their business um <clears throat> That's the thing, man. I saw you see that video of that lady getting her beat down at like Red Lobster. No, I did. Was in Pennsylvania or something? What this, happened? Sh it was like a three-hour wait on for Red Lobster on Mother's Day in Pennsylvania somewhere. Wow. And I, I don't know if the lady. I think, I think there was a customer that had been there for like. She was taking up a whole table, but she was by herself, and she'd been there for hours and hours and hours. And so the manager basically asked her to leave, and she threw holy shit fit and wanted a refund and da 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 she actually smacks she slaps the manager oh my goodness and then the manager just snatches her by the hair and there's a whole melee and um and all i can think is like why is there a three-hour wait at red lobster <laughs> i'm like maybe maybe in maybe it's literally the only restaurant in york pennsylvania that's the only thing i can figure i was like three why are you have you been to Red Lobster yeah <laughs> you know the only thing endless about their shrimp is like the regret <laughs> you feel afterwards <laughs> I would never wait three hours uh, for Red Lobster that's yeah, my thing I was yeah, like yeah. you have all these places you can go support and people were like fuck that I want me some scrimps Red Lobster <laughs> bottom of shrimp that's uh, crazy yeah I want some of those square sh those square <laughs> shrimp bricks <laughs> so speaking of food I, I mentioned this in the intro yeah. You have some very creative recipes, and, and everything I've had here is, is outstanding. Where did you develop your interest in cooking? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, we all, like I said, there's, there's a lot of Irish Catholic. There's a lot of kids in my family, and um, you kind of had, we all learned to cook pretty early, mm. for the most, to varying degrees. Like some of my brothers, are, are pretty good cooks too and some of them not so much um 
Uh, my sister, my sister's a pretty bad cook, I think. <laughs> <laughs> I can't remember. It's been a long time since she made me food. I don't, she made me some spaghetti one time. It was terrible. But uh, <laughs> I love you, Robin. Um, Just being honest. So, yeah. So, I mean, so, you know, I always did some, you know, we had, you had to, you know, if you wanted to eat, you had to learn how to cook in the family. And then, you know, working in restaurants, you just kind of, at one point, like in New York, uh, the the first gig I had, the first restaurant job I had, was had, I had to take as a cook. Uh, I couldn't find no. In New York, it's always like if you don't have New York experience, bartending or waiting, don't even bother applying. Uh, it's so hard to get your foot in the door as a, a waiter or bartender in New York without New York experience. And so I found a job. I got a job cooking at an Indian restaurant, and uh, I was like the only white dude. And they none of the guys in the kitchen really spoke English, and I certainly didn't speak or do. And um, so they basically communicated uh, through beatings and and burnings. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, I catch a spatula to the back of the head, or oh, no. if I'm doing the tandoor and, and, the, and, the, and the non fell off the side, they made me go in and get it. So I'd burn my entire arm up to oh, the shoulder. Man. So even then, like it's been like 30 years, I, I can still rock a tandoor like nobody's business, man. <laughs> <laughs> that bread, that bread is gonna stick and be brown and delicious, and, and it ain't falling off. Um, and so. Yeah, I started, you know, and so between, you know, where, you know, where I worked in Argentine places and Belgian places and uh, French places and, uh, God, man, fusion and pizza parlors. And uh, so, you, I don't know, I love food and I love going out, you know, in New York, in New York, living in New York, uh, you don't cook, man, you go out to eat all the time. and. Mm. You have some of the best restaurants, and, and and not just not just the fancy fancy places, but like some of the mom and pop places up there are just absolutely amazing. There's this, uh, it's a it's a Nepalese Japanese place out in Queens. I have no idea how they combine the two things. It was delicious. And it's one of my favorite places, and um, so yeah, it's just I love food, and so then you know. And I think my, and then growing up in Spring Branch, I mean, Houston is the most diverse city in the country. And I think Spring Branch arguably might be one of the most diverse neighborhoods. Um, and so being exposed to Korean food and Vietnamese food and, uh, uh, you know, Honduran food and Salvadoran food and Mexican food, obviously from, you know, your entire life, um, you just, you get a taste for those flavors. And so then having my place, it just, the menu's supposed to kind of reflect that, you know? Um, not just, there's a lot of Korean influence and, and Mexican influence um, being, you know, from Spring Branch. Which, you know, they call it Little Seoul. If you're not from those parts, like down at the other end of Long Point, uh, it's where all the Korean markets and, and restaurants and stuff are, and they call it, call it Little Seoul. Um, and, you know, but then, you know, I have experience in New York. And so, like, the, the Vindaloo, that actually came about because I, I have a, a Pakistani couple who will come and have wine on the patio with me uh, late at night. And I asked them one day, I was like, is there any Indian food, like, anywhere near Spring Branch? I know there's not in Spring Branch. Like, no, they're like, you have to go to Hillcroft or whatever. And uh, I was like, well, hell, I can make Vindaloo. And they're like, no, you can't. <laughs> I was like, no, actually, I can't. <laughs> and uh, so I made it, I made it for them. And they, they freaked out. They're like, this is, this is real. I was like, well, I worked in a real Indian restaurant. And they used to beat my ass if I didn't do it right. So wow. 
say, say what you want about spare the rod, but it'll, you remember recipes. <laughs> if you know you're catching a spoon to the back of the head, you're going to remember those recipes. So what, what would you say your most unique recipe is at the branch? Uh, the most unique, I mean, our, the, the Vindaloo Frito pie or the General Sal's Buffalo chicken with the ranch dressing rice. Those are probably the most unique, I think. As far as I know, you can't get those things <laughs> anywhere else. I, so I've, I've had the Frito pie. I've never had anything like that. It, it, it is unique. Um, so when you come up with a new recipe, huh? how do you test it or do you test it or do you just say I, I i know this is good and you put it on the menu how does that process work um well you uh i mean how does it work there's there's times sometimes you get it out of the gate like the vindaloo i the only thing i really tweaked about the vindaloo um was i made the, the same vindaloo I, I used to make in new york at, at, at that restaurant uh, except i used ground lamb instead of you know chunk cube lamb or whatever and um, I reduced the salt uh, because it was gonna, I was going to put it over Fritos. So I reduced the salt on it because the, the chips are going to more than make up for that. So if you actually eat my Vindaloo on its own, it's still tasty, but you might be like, yeah, I could use a little salt. Mm -hmm. Well, there's a reason for that because it's supposed to go on top of salty chips. Mm -hmm. um, so that one, there was no real playing around with. I just basically went in there and made it and then started selling it. Um, some of the dishes like when we, we, we the keto stuff man like that man it might go through i think we made like 30 we had to do 30 different versions of of when we did the keto chicken fried steak mm. before we could really get that batter where everything tastes right because the gravy and the mashed potatoes and, and doing everything with no flour um was a challenge um and that took about 30 tries before um, and even then, we still kind of continue to screw with stuff. I mean, you know, we get it to a point where like, okay, it's happy. Now we need to get feedback. And so we'll put it out and listen to people and maybe adjust it if it needs to be done. Um, now, do you have to actually actively ask somebody how, uh, how it tastes or what they would change? Because that, that's something, at least I know I wouldn't go, you know, to somebody, uh, this would be better with a little more cayenne or something like that. So how do you get that kind of feedback from well, you do have, there's, 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 there's a lot of people, I mean, this lady last night told me that, uh, you know, our, our bulgogi bistake, my, our steak salad needed more garlic. Mm. She had, that was her first thing. She said, you could use a little more garlic. Mm. And I'm like, okay. Um, so some people, you don't even have to solicit it. They'll just tell you. Um, but if, if it's, if it's a new dish, then I have, I have no qualms whatsoever about just flat out going up to people and be like, Hey, this is new. Uh, what do you think? Mm -hmm. um, would, you, would you, how would you, basically I just at first, what do you think? And then, uh, if they give me just some kind of like non-answer, like, oh, it's, it's, it's fine. It's yeah. great. Yeah. Um, then I might pass them like, you know, ask like if I, you know, if there's something, I don't usually put it out if I have a thing where I'm like really worried that, you know, maybe there's not enough this or not enough that. If I'm still in that phase where I'm worried that it's not quite right, it's not usually going to be on the menu yet. Yeah. Um, I'm usually pretty confident with it before I put it on the menu. Yeah. But sometimes I'm like, <sighs> maybe like the Vindaloo. I was kind of like, because you have to be really careful if it's too hot. Like the real Vindaloo, I actually dial it way down. Because if I made it proper, 
uh, I wouldn't really sell that much because it, it burns you a new asshole. Mm. Um, so ours is really mild in, in, rel- in, in, in relation to a proper Vindaloo. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's still pretty spicy. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, I do, I did ask people when I first put it out, I was like, is it too spicy, more spicy, you know, trying to gauge uh, where it's going to be. And now it's one of our most popular dishes and we sell out of it all the time. That's um, how you know for sure. So I know yeah. we're I know we're doing something right. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I when I first put out, and also it's Vindaloo's weird. You know, it's a, it's you know it's curry, uh, um, which over Fritos, uh, it's kind of unusual. So, um, <laughs> but it's delicious, and I know it's delicious because we sell a ton of that stuff. So, yeah. Um, yeah. You know, there's no real clear roadmap for it. Some some things I just put on there, and I I know that's good. I was just to say, you know, going back to the customer that said too much garlic i mean everybody's tastes are different uh-huh. so you know she might say too much garlic where Somebody 10 others say, will say it's just the right amount yeah. or maybe they agree but they're just not they're too shy to say something or well anything. i know but here's the here's the thing about that and you're you're absolutely right but what you're actually looking for like unless you know if if gordon ramsay or somebody like that, you know, like Daniel Ballou, like one big old, you know, huge, huge, super famous chef come in and was like, hey, buddy, you need to, you need more garlic on your on your steak salad. I would probably just change it on the spot, you know, like <laughs> I would. Um, but by and large, I can't think of any one person where I'm going to go and change it because they thought it was too salty or not salty right. enough or something like that. Um, what you look for is you want to get a bunch of feedback from a lot of people and then you're looking for a pattern if you you know a lot of people are saying i wish it had more more garlic you probably need more garlic yeah um if a lot of people are saying it's too salty well you should probably dial it down um but any one person you just kind of take it and you 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 file that away and then you wait for more people to respond about that dish and once the once you have enough reference points then you can actually kind of go in and, and form an overall customer opinion not, not a single customer. The customer is always right when you're talking about the customer, mm. quotations around it. Like um, the customer as a whole, as if you take all of them and amalgamate them into an individual, that person's right all the time. Uh, any single individual customer can sure as hell be wrong. Mm. You know, there's no, there's no way they're all right all the time. Right. Um, it helps if you make them feel right all the time. Um, but, you know, nobody's right all the time. Um, so, you know, you just look for patterns and if you, you're hearing constantly that, uh, this is too sweet or this is too salty or this is not this, then you, you need to go in and look at it. Mm-hmm. Um, but any, if you know, if, <laughs> you would drive yourself nuts and you would go out of business if every time you got any kind of feedback, you went and changed the whole recipe right. for that one person. Cause I guarantee you the very next person is going to be like too much garlic, sure. <laughs> you know? So yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. But, you know, this is why I do it. I love getting feedback, good and bad. You know, it's like I don't, I know I'm not perfect, and and I and I and you don't. Compliments are awesome. Compliments make us feel great. Compliments make it nice to get up and feel good about yourself. Um, but they don't allow for a lot of growth. Yeah. Um, you really you need criticism in order to be better, and uh, I always want to be better. I'm always trying to be better. Um, if everybody just tells you you're great all the time, well, how do you get better than great? You know? And then you also, you just don't, you start to not believe in anyway because you know nobody's great. 
Right. Everybody's trying to be great. Yeah. You know, and some people might be closer to greatness than you, but we're all still greatness is never really attainable. Yeah. It's just something you aspire to. Um, and so you want, you want to be looking for like, how do I get better? How do I get better? And so, and I'm, you know, I, you know me, I I love to engage the customers. I talk to everybody and, um, and and none of y'all are particularly shy about giving me your opinions. (laughs) (laughs) Well, and then of course we live in the world of Yelp and TripAdvisor and all those things. Now, do you pay a lot of attention to those? No, (laughs) I don't. Uh, Somebody actually, it's funny you said that because I don't, I don't know who set up my Yelp account because it wasn't me. Um, so there's inaccurate stuff on it. And not just like, you know, I get bad reviews or this. Uh, like the hours aren't, I don't know who put the hours in there. And now, I mean, obviously with everything that's going on now, the hours mean nothing as far as what's posted online because we're kind of making it up every day. Um, but even before, you know, there's just, but they, somebody was like, well, we came here because they're like, are you Kyle? And I was like, well, who's looking for me? <laughs> no, I was like, yeah, I'm Kyle. They're like, well, we came here because we saw your Yelp profile and uh, we thought it was hilarious. And I was like, what, is it, what does it say? Like, what is it, like, you didn't write it? I was like, I didn't write, I've never, I don't think I've even actually been to Yelp uh, just because it's such a, a, a toilet bowl of the internet. Um, so, <laughs> There it's but somebody wrote they wrote in my profile like bar like bar owner by day and it's like what it made me sound like a superhero I got I, maybe I'm you got your phone I have not okay. uh, yeah we can look on Yelp yeah. I haven't actually been there but it's like like thwarter of evildoers by night or something like that I was like man that made me sound like a cape crusader I was like well, I do wear a mask <laughs> yeah I uh... I don't, I actually don't have Yelp. Uh, I use TripAdvisor, so I would not uh, yeah. be able Well, to also, I mean, that. part of it's also, there's between Google and Yelp and Facebook and Instagram and TripAdvisor. Uh, that's why, I mean, you know, a lot of the big corporate restaurants, they literally have somebody, they pay a lot of money just to do their social media and keep up with all that stuff because holy hell, like trying to keep up with all all the social media sites and everything that anybody writes about you and it's that's yeah there's you, not enough hours in the day no you couldn't run your business properly if you kept up uh, or tried to keep up with all that but uh, you know Levon and i use it because we do travel a lot so when you go into a strange place uh, but of course a lot of times we go in just talking to other people word of mouth and that's the best way to get information but if we don't oh you know, wait here it is okay. meet, meet the business owner <laughs> kyle p business owner Owner of the bar when not out when not doling out justice to the doers of evil. <laughs> like whoever wrote that for me, thank you. This you just you actually got me to go to Yelp for the forever. I'm like, that's hilarious. I don't know who wrote that. Well, they got that one customer to come in, so thank you for that. I know. I literally, you actually generated me business, so thank you for that. that oh, that's um, cool. And then I was like, and I just come like, dang. I wish I would have wrote that. <laughs> That's funny. <laughs> and you touched on something that I, that I want to elaborate on that, uh, you know, we've been coming here for about a year and a half. And uh, when we moved back to Spring Ranch, I grew up here, uh, as you know, we've talked about that mm-hmm. and uh, came in and 
you you know a lot of uh, restaurant owners managers will come by and you know how's everything tasting and <laughs> you get that kind of standard uh, and you understand they're the owner of the manager they're busy they've got to you know see as many people and check the staff i mean there's so much to do uh kyle you since the beginning even before you knew us you sat down at our table with us and and got to know us huh? and i see you do that with with a lot of people, you know, and, and uh, that's amazing. That that meant a lot to us. I don't know if you know that or not, but that meant a lot to us. I'm, I'm glad, man. That's yeah. cool. No, that it, no, it is cool. Well, I, I mean, the thing is, it's, I've, I've never, I'm, I've been blessed in that I've never actually worked for a corporate uh, restaurant. Uh, you know, like a restaurant that actually has an HR department uh, and like these weird protocols and this weird corporate speak in a restaurant. And I've always, you know, being, especially in New York, uh, I, you know, they, they do have corporate restaurants there, but most, most places are kind of mom and pop. And I've always been very lucky to work for mom and pop places that had really cool moms and pops um, that were very, very, uh, very much hands-on uh, owners. They were the kind of owners that they bust the tables. They, they had no qualms about making drinks, busting tables, and been, you know, when things were slower, then they let the staff do their thing, and they would actually sit down with customers and talk to them, like, what do you think about the place? Let me buy you a drink, da, 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 all that sort of stuff. And I always thought that was really cool, and like, an old school, old school, you know? Like, I feel like, you know, you go into, you know, some corporate place that's the exact same here in Houston as it is in San Diego, as it is there, and waiters look the same, everybody does everything the same, uh, yeah, maybe the food's great. Uh, maybe it's you know maybe it's average, but it's it's comforting to have that sameness. Right? And so I understand I understand people's attraction to that. Um, I always I, I I love individualism. I love uniqueness, and I I again I love that comfort. I love the human contact. That's why I I I'm in this business, and so the idea that like. Hey, let's go to let's go to Kyle's place and hang out with Kyle, um, as opposed to let's go to the branch. Um, is, if now let's go to the branch, that's great. Um, but if part of it, it's also like oh, you know, let's let's hang out with Kyle tonight. Um, that's that's special, um, and that's something you don't get from the from the chains, and um, and it's not for everybody. I also get that some people are like, oh, he's you know he's overly friendly, or he's you know he should he should just be standing there and doing you know getting me drinks and shutting his mouth. Um, I understand that too. It's not for everybody, and I don't I don't encourage you to come here if you're very much the the, the help should be should Offended be seen by and, friendliness, seen and not heard. <laughs> uh, I respect that, but you know you're going to see me and hear me if you come to the branch. Um, it's so funny you say that because we did call it the branch at first because that was the name and now we literally say let's go see kyle <laughs> <laughs> that's cool man i want that um but at the same exactly time what we say let's go see kyle at the same time i understand that like long term uh there needs to be people need to think of the branches i really ultimately i want them to think of like the branches like your place you know let's, let's go to our place let's you know Right. That's really what it is because if I'm hoping to open another place or, you know, even like one day retire and let, or even like take a day off, uh, I don't want me to be the reason people come here. You know, I want this place to be its own thing. Um, yeah, I, I can be a bonus, you know, I can be a little perk or something like that, but 
you know, I want the place to, to be on, you know, its own merits. It's great that people are like, let's go see Kyle. That's cool. It makes me feel good. It makes me feel like I'm doing something good, something right. Um, but ultimately, it's like, I really want people to feel like this is their place. Because I think that's, that's the difference between being open five years and being open 25 years. It's when the, the neighborhood feels like you're theirs. That's our spot. Um, I think that's how you stay open for decades. And that's my goal. Voluntarily, yeah. yeah. Well, you um, have some, uh, speaking of longevity, you have an anniversary coming up for we the do. restaurant and have some events coming up yeah. uh, for that. You want to talk about this? Yes, our, uh, our third anniversary. Uh, who, who would have seen that coming? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> is next, next Saturday, mm-hmm. May 23rd. And uh, especially with this, Lockdown. Uh, I feel that uh, the neighborhood could use a circus, uh, and so we are having a dinner party, uh, a carnival circus-themed dinner party, uh, four-course meal. Uh, all of it. We're going to do kind of uh, our. We're going to do like kind of a high-end, fancy take on carnival food uh, for the dinner, with like you know, like I think the main course is is going to be a. a <laughs> like beef Wellington on a stick, <laughs> <laughs> that's great. Um, stuff like that. Uh, and then we've also partnered up with uh, Cirque La Vie, who uh, they are actually a circus uh, that's, that's based out of Spring Branch, and they performed at the the halftime show at the Super Bowl when it was here. Um, and they're kind of like Cirque du Soleil, is that kind of more? Uh, it's the acrobats and the contortionists and stuff like that. Very there's cool. No, there's no. Tigers and shit. So, like any <laughs> any of you Joe Exotics out there, don't be coming around <laughs> looking for that bitch Carol Baskin. It's not uh, that kind of circus. Ain't that kind of circus. Uh, it's gonna be fun though. I think they got some jugglers and uh, and magicians and all sorts of stuff like that. So we still have some tickets available. You can get them on our website, um, and uh, it's gonna be a good night. I think you know that's people could use a circus right about now. I think. Absolutely. And it's a socially distanced circus. Everybody will have assigned seating and be spaced apart, and the circus will come to you. Yeah. So they have, like, three different little shows, and we have, like, three different areas. And so, like, every 15, 20 minutes, they'll switch it around, so you'll get to see uh, all the performers doing all their stuff. And if the weather permits, there will be, like, trapeze artists out front and stuff. It's going to be pretty wicked. Good way to kick off Memorial Weekend. Absolutely, man. So, Kyle, this has been an amazing conversation. I, I really appreciate you taking time. And, uh, uh, you know, we've known each other for a little over a year and a half, but uh-huh. I learned some things that uh, uh, are very cool. Cool. No, very it's fun cool. talking, man. It's, it's, uh, I talk a lot. But <laughs> 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 you know, but I also, you made a new podcast. You, you need fodder. Yeah. I, I'm providing the fodder. <laughs> Chop it up however you want. Just make me sound smart. Well, we have, uh, we get to our last question, what we, what we like to call our legacy question huh. on your cron. If in a hundred years someone's listening to this recording, what do you want to tell them? What do you want them to know about you or perhaps life in general? Oh, good. Really? Man, keep it light, huh? Dude, bro. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's, 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 a, that's a heavy question for a bar owner, man. Gonna, I, no, hope, I, t- I hope people are still drinking. <laughs> you know, I don't think, I don't know. Like, it's, it's, you know what? I honestly, it's, it's going to be Mad Max times. 
So I don't think they're going to have any way to listen to this. It's just everybody's <laughs> going to be battling for gasoline and cigarettes. <laughs> it's like <laughs> there's going to be people riding on top of like big 18-wheelers <laughs> shooting electric guitars with fire. Uh, as far as I can tell, that's what the future holds. I don't think they're going to give two shits about me. We don't need to listen to recording. <laughs> it's all about the future. We don't need to listen to some jackass in Spring Branch talk about his bar. We're out here b- battling for life and death for cigarettes and gasoline. <laughs> oh, man, I got to say, I've asked that question. <laughs> question a lot and that's uh that was perfect that was brilliant only kyle could come up with that one folks come to the branch come check it out come meet kyle uh come probably meet us too we're here a lot and yeah, they'll be uh, here. yeah absolutely so kyle thank you again that was that was a blast no it was good talking to you brother